Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. Hi, I'm Alan Montesilio, in for Erica Cruz Guevara, and you're listening to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. As we approach year four of the COVID-19 pandemic, I think it's fair to say that the virus is in the rearview mirror for many people across America. Governments have dropped things like mask and vaccine mandates, and the virus isn't as deadly as it used to be. On the other hand, COVID is still very much a part of our lives. Hundreds of people are still dying every day. And for those who are immunocompromised or who have long COVID, the current state of the pandemic can feel isolating. Now California is going to end its COVID state of emergency at the end of the month. And on May 11, the federal government is going to wrap up its emergency declarations too. There's this sense of momentum when you wind down a state of emergency in California, in a state, and you tell that state's residents we're winding down the state of emergency. It's really, really hard to keep things like mandates in place. Today, how California is winding down its emergency for COVID-19. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Is the state government officially saying the pandemic is over. Well, officially, that's not what they're saying. Carly Severn is KQED's senior engagement editor. If you hear the news in a truncated form, or if you just see the headline, California is winding down its state of emergency, it would be quite easy to assume, I think, as an audience member, that that means the pandemic is over. The message from California authorities right now is the state of emergency did its job. And because of that, California as a state in some ways has fared better than other states when it comes to COVID. So because of that, now is the time to wind things down and transition California to a new phase of this pandemic. That is the basic gist of the message coming out of California right now. 
We have a lot of tools now to really help us. So Dr. Erica Pan, the state's epidemiologist expert, uh, she really stresses that this is the moment in which to do this. We have vaccination, um, these updated boosters. We now have um, much easier treatment that really helps kind of decrease the impact of, of COVID on our lives. So what are some of the main ways that life in California is going to change with the end of this COVID emergency? The first thing I'm thinking there is about COVID testing sites. All of these COVID testing sites that you're seeing, so many of them are winding down. And it's very tempting to say, well, that's because California is ending its state of emergency. But looking into it, yes, there is an impact on funding there. A lot of that funding is going away. But also demand has dipped as well for those types of big, large scale PCR testing sites. Not a lot more people, it seems, are going to those large-scale PCR tests. I mean, we actually asked the folks in San Francisco who run the Alemany Boulevard testing site, and they said, yeah, it's a combination of funding going away because of the end of the state of emergency, but it's also dwindling demand. Not a lot of people want to come and use these testing facilities anymore. I do want to stress that the California Department of Public Health, they have this whole plan for what happens after the state of emergency ends. It's called the SMARTER plan. SMARTER is is an acronym, of course. And they say as far as schools are concerned, they have been distributing like over 8 million over-the-counter antigen tests for the end of the school year and for summer testing. So that is something it does seem that CDPH are trying to keep in play, looking at those high-risk settings like schools and thinking, well, how can we keep testing motoring there? How can we keep momentum on testing? You mentioned schools. Another part of that is COVID vaccine requirements. It will COVID vaccines be required for kids going to school? The short answer is no. There will be no more statewide mandate for vaccination for school children. So back in 2021, Governor Newsom announces there's going to be this policy mandating vaccination for COVID for school children. And obviously this was controversial. There was a lot of uncertainty. Is this policy going to be extended or not? And back in early February, the California Department of Public Health, they finally announced that no The state school kids, they are not going to have to prove that they've had a COVID vaccine. And they also say the department was, quote unquote, not currently exploring emergency rulemaking to add COVID to the list of required school vaccinations. As part of that messaging, they were telling people getting a COVID vaccine is a great idea. You should do it. Your kids should do it. But we're not going to mandate that your kids have to do it to go to school. Another thing I want to make sure we talk about, and this is something you've covered quite a bit, Carly, is COVID sick pay, which was different from regular sick pay. Is that going away too? So the bad news is that state mandated COVID sick pay, that is, if you get COVID and you can't work or you can't telework, or if a member of your family gets COVID and you've got to care for them and you can't work, that policy actually wound down on December 31st of 2022. So it is a little bit like watching the last of the COVID protections in California in the Bay Area, just kind of gently, you know, swimming away from us. We had them, but because these declarations are being wound down, there's domino effects, there's knock-on effects, and sick pay is one of them. I know that throughout this pandemic, there have been programs or policies that maybe aren't tied exactly to the state, you know, public health emergency, but there's essentially more funding for certain things because of COVID. What are some of the biggest things on that front in California that you've seen that that are about to change? 
So the pandemic era program that's winding down about now that really concerns me is CalFresh. So during the pandemic, if you were using CalFresh, and that is California's version of the Federal Supplemental Nutrition Assistant Program, food stamps most people know them as, if you were receiving CalFresh SNAP, you would have been getting extra funds. They were called emergency allotments. And like this was not small change. This was almost $100 in extra CalFresh benefits a month. Like if you're trying to feed your family, that's a hell of a lot of money. But those extra funds are now actually going to cease around the same time as the California state of emergency is winding down. Ends in February. March will be your last emergency allotment. That's the last time you will see that extra $95 on your SNAP benefits. And then in April, that's the first month in which you will have to make things work without that extra money. That is, again, it's not because of the California state of emergency winding down. The timing is just similar. This is actually tied to um, a federal law. So we're going to see that shift across the whole nation there. Those extra payments are going away. In addition to the state's emergency order, there are also federal emergencies that have been in place. Those will end a bit later on in the year, on May 11. And when those emergency orders expire, that will affect how COVID testing and treatment get covered by health insurance. So if you have insurance, getting COVID is still going to be complicated. It's going to get even more complicated later this year. California has these laws that are forcing insurers to keep the status quo with covering certain costs of COVID care, but that only lasts until November. So insurers after that date can start saying, oh, you, you didn't get that COVID test in network? Oh, we're not going to reimburse you for that. Oh, you didn't get the Paxlovid prescribed in network? Oh, yeah, we're not going to cover that. And as with a lot of things COVID related, for uninsured people, this is going to get even more confusing. So the White House's COVID response coordinator, Dr. Ashish Jha, uh, said on Twitter recently, it gave this assurance that, okay, so the federal state of emergency ends on May 11th, but on May 12th, you can still walk into a pharmacy and get your bivalent vaccine for free. And that the same is going to hold for obtaining Paxlovid. So, you know, I saw that and I was like, well, that's good news, right? But then Jha went on to write that longer term, Likely over the summer or early fall, the country would transition from U.S. government distributed vaccines and treatments to those purchased through the regular health care system. He also said that the White House was committed to ensuring that vaccines and treatments are accessible and not prohibitively expensive for uninsured Americans. You're not seeing the word free anywhere there, right? And the trouble is, even some cost is too much to a lot of folks, and you will have folks opting not to seek COVID care because they are worried about the costs. When we're drilling down and asking questions about, okay, so how much is this going to cost? What's going to be free? What's going to be paid for out of pocket? There's always this gigantic gray area for uninsured people. Is it fair to say, to sum up then, that if the question is, are things like COVID tests, COVID vaccines... COVID treatment, will those be free? The answer to that is maybe for a little bit, but probably not. But also it depends on your insurance situation. Is that fair to say? Exactly. It's it's a big old stew. It's it's very it's very, very confusing. And like being insured is the best case scenario here. And it's still confusing if you have insurance. 
I'm wondering, though, if you've heard any concerns from people about what it means to lift this COVID emergency at the state level. So if you ask the state, they say it's the right time. If you ask some medical professionals, they may tell you they feel it is approaching the right time. And then there's some folks who will say this is absolutely the wrong time. I was really struck by um, a conversation that Carmela Coyle, who's the head of the California Hospital Association, she was speaking to the New York Times and she said uh, February is a terrible time to end the public health emergency in California because of ongoing strains on California's hospitals, not just directly because of COVID patients, but because of all the backlog from people who haven't been seeking procedures and treatment during COVID because of COVID, because they don't want to be in a hospital setting. And then you also get folks who are kind of striking this, this middle way, like Dr. Peter Chin Hong. He's an infectious disease expert at UCSF. We don't want to be fearful of the virus, but you certainly don't want to run and intentionally put yourself in the path of a lot of virus risk. When we asked him, what do you think about this time? His take was like, it's kind of the right time, but he was also concerned about this implication that state of emergencies winding down, show's over, no real need to worry about COVID anymore, folks. It means that uh, there will probably be less support for people. And, uh, you know, in a fractured medical healthcare system, I'm worried that people are going to fall between the cracks. I reached out to the California Department of Public Health and told them I was working on this. And I said, essentially, is there a message that you want Californians to take away from this? They replied saying, state of emergency is ending, February 28th. And uh, yeah, go look at the uh, the SMARTER plan. And the SMARTER plan is that, that acronym that is intended to guide uh, California through the end of the state of emergency. And there was no real focus there on what we want folks to still think about, even though all of the signals coming out of your state authorities are that the state of emergency is ending. Because a lot of folks are hearing that and thinking, oh, that means the pandemic's over. I don't have to think about COVID anymore. Carly, you've been following how KQED listeners and readers are are thinking and feeling about this moment, what questions they have in their minds Um, What's your sense of how people, at least people who are connecting with us at KQED, are feeling about this COVID emergency ending? So we opened up the floor for our KQED readers and listeners and said, send us your questions. And we were really kind of touched by how many people took the time to get in touch. And there were some real patterns emerging with what people are focused on. Long COVID is one. People just feel like they are swimming in a sea of of confusion and lack of information about long COVID. They're hearing people talking about it and how debilitating it can be if you get it. But folks really don't know uh, what they should be thinking about it, how they should stay vigilant against it, what they should do if, God forbid, they get it. So long COVID was one thing. A lot of other things we heard were about the loneliness of this stage in the pandemic. There is a certain isolation in that when there are people who, even if they're not at high risk for COVID, they just don't want to get COVID. They they know about the, the detrimental effects of the body of even a mild infection of COVID and they just don't want to get it again. So there was this, um, this sense of loneliness that people were feeling and just wanting more information, more reliable answers. And as we enter into another summer of COVID, folks are just feeling like those answers 
just aren't there anymore. Well, Carly, thanks so much for your time and for continuing to follow this. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Always, uh, I was about to say, always down to talk about COVID. Uh, we shouldn't, <laughs> I wish we weren't at this stage, but um, we clearly do need to still be talking about COVID. So I appreciate this. Thanks, folks. Thanks, Carly. That was Carly Severn, Senior Engagement Editor for KQED. Also, if you live in San Francisco, COVID sick pay has not expired just yet. It ends on February 28th, the same day the state emergency order ends. We'll have more info on that in our show notes. And before we go today, I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, to please take our show survey. It's a chance to tell us directly what you love about the podcast and what do you think we can do to make it even better. It just takes eight minutes of your time, and you can find it at kqed.org slash thebaysurvey. This conversation was edited by producer Maria Esquenka. Our intern, Jalen Herdman, added the tape and the music. Special thanks as well to the folks at KQED's forum for the audio that you heard in this episode. I'm Alan Monticilio, in for Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you Friday. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.